introduced the new sermon topic last Sunday, and so far we've never had as much interest or traction in a sermon topic or in the paired up small groups as we have with this topic. The sermon series is entitled, I Said This and You Heard That. We're taking a very biblical approach to studying temperaments and personalities. The work was initially done by Andy Stanley's church uh, down in Georgia. However, we're kind of taking a unique twist on it in that I'm teaching and preaching exegetically through the book of James and using the content from this uh, temperament study to supplement the information from the scripture. And, and I've had more interaction throughout the past week and more people signing up for small groups than we've ever seen before. And there's one question that has been recurring all week, and I've, I've fielded it a number of times, and it's a fantastic question. And the question runs along the lines of something like this. When we're talking about our temperaments and our God-given designs, and then we're also thinking about our personalities because we're linking our temperaments to different attributes of our personalities, how much of this stuff is permanent and unchangeable like the color of our eyes? And how much of this is changing over time as we grow and mature and make decisions of faith? And can we source the answer, importantly, biblically? What does the Bible say? So, for instance, if you are a mass murderer, Nah, that's a little dark. If you eat a lot of double-stuffed Oreos, like, I mean, that's just your job. You, you are a double-stuffed Oreo eater. Are you doomed to always eat double-stuffed Oreos? Like, if Nabisco goes out of business, will you actually die because you can't eat double-stuffed Oreos? Or do you have the ability to begin eating Toll House cookies instead? Can you change this fundamental aspect of your nature, or are you always going to be a double-stuffed Oreo Person. The answer, biblically, is yes. The answer is yes, because we want to exalt and we want to model and we want to praise the Lord for his sovereignty and his intentional design of us as humans. The scripture says that before we were born, that God knew us in the womb. There is no doubt that he has a plan for your life, that he knows you intimately, he designed you specifically. There's never been anyone like you, nor will there ever be anyone like you. You will not find a perfect doppelganger in heaven. You won't. You are you. And that is 100% due to the sovereignty and the design and the glory of God. Praise the Lord for his intentionality in not creating robots, but creating individuals who are different essentially. That our temperaments, like the color of our eyes, honestly, they don't change. And by temperament, I mean things like this. That you are, for instance, an extrovert rather than an introvert. You derive more energy from being with people than not being with people. Or you're more introverted rather than extroverted. Or you're more task-oriented or you're more people-oriented. That when you perceive reality, you have a filter around these ideas by which that, that strikes you as no, something strikes you as normal or abnormal based off of your temperament. Introvert, extrovert, people-oriented, task-oriented. That's what I'm suggesting, is that God designed you that way, and it's a gift for giving grace. We've mentioned that last week, that verse is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Don't let any unwholesome word leave your mouth, but only that which is good for giving grace to your brothers and sisters. And the big idea is how do we know how to give grace to our brothers and sisters if we don't understand how the Lord has wired us or our brothers and sisters. But we also know that Scripture places full responsibility on us for our words and our actions. That yes, we are specifically and intentionally designed by God, praise the Lord, but we are also 100% responsible for what we say and 
do. And so maybe to try and help understand what is the tension, what is the relationship between aspects of myself that are always going to be that way and aspects of myself that change over time as I grow and mature, the answer is yes. And it's kind of like a marriage. We know that marriages are not 50-50. Marriages are 100-100. That's what makes something holy. When God is fully committed to something and we are fully committed to God, it's a 100%, 100% relationship and it turns into something holy. It's not 50-50. And I think that's probably the most helpful way to think about our personalities and our temperaments, how much is fixed and really isn't going to change much over time, how much will change over time, is the idea that God is 100% committed to his design for us that he blessed us with. And we should be 100% committed to renewing our mind according to biblical principles. That we should be 100% committed by faith to conforming our lives to the image of Christ. And somewhere in the middle is the beautiful reality that God has planned for us. So that question has come up a couple of times as people have been signing up for small groups and engaging with this idea. And so we have, I believe, half a dozen small groups meeting in different communities. Some have already started, some haven't. You can find all of them listed on our website. Uh, and I encourage you to go and check that out. If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to the book of James, chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 12, verse 13. And we're going to talk through, preach through, study through a few verses this morning and then overlay it, filter it through this understanding of our temperaments and our personalities and how the Lord has designed us and our responsibilities to be in control of our emotions and our actions and our behaviors. James begins. Uh, the teaching that we're going to look at this morning. We're going to begin reading here in verse 13. Some of the words are on the screen. The verses where we're going to kind of land, and some of them are not. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to open or your apps or whatever. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. A man who endures trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God. For God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. What does this have to do with our temperaments and our personalities and God's sovereignty and our choice and control over our actions? Here's the first idea this morning. Our temperaments are not a temptation from the Lord. Our temperaments are not an excuse for bad behavior. Uh, an example. I, I have a wonderful team that I work with on a regular basis here in town. It's my league of juvenile justice. When a child has a bad day, and by bad day I mean they get arrested, uh, they come before the team that I manage, and we work really hard to keep them out of the court system. Once a month we meet with the families, and, I, and, I, and the league of juvenile justice assembles, and because I'm a good leader, I bring donuts because that's just smart and coffee. So I was at Baker's Dozen in Plainfield picking up my juvenile justice donuts on Friday morning. And the, the manager there is a wonderful lady, a dear friend. I've known her for years now. We pray together. We, 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 I enjoy my time at Baker's Dozen because Tammy is there, the manager of the Baker's Dozen. I said, I need a box of coffee and a dozen donuts. So she got the box of coffee going. And she gets out the box for the donuts. And I, I know this sounds crazy to you. Because I, I almost passed out. She just started willy-nilly putting donuts in the box. I'm like, what? She had three donuts in the box before I could even get my words because I was so flustered. Who just takes assorted donuts? Like, that is obviously wrong. 
like something is desperately wrong with you if you think you can just willy-nilly go into a donut shop and let them put whatever donuts they want in the box. They will put donuts in there with sprinkles on them. They will put donuts in there with jelly inside. They will put donuts with gross stuff smeared over the top. That's just wrong. Now, if you want that kind of a donut, you have to ask for it. You just don't let people willy-nilly put donuts in your donut box for your juvenile justice team. She has three disgusting donuts in that box before I know what's happening. I, I couldn't have been more surprised than if she spit in the box. That would have surprised me the same amount. Willy-nilly donut choosing? No, 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 no. Tammy. Dear Tammy. Uh, what are you doing? Like, it took me a few moments, but I collected my words, and, and she reversed the donuts and then put the right donuts in the box and moved on my way. I, I know I have issues, but I, it wasn't like I walked in there saying, I'm going to have a donut problem this morning. Like, that was not on my mind. It viscerally attacked me. It is simply my temperament. You don't do willy-nilly. You don't let other people choose your donuts. You control the donuts. That's how the world actually works. And if it doesn't work that way, we're having a conversation. The donuts are stopping right now. Because that's just, that's my temperament. I did not make that choice. I had a visceral response to willy-nilly donuts. I know. Uh, Josh, can we have another pastor? Can we have someone who's like wired a little bit? Because that's just odd. But, I, you know, because of the Holy Spirit's work in my life, I was able to not jump the counter and say anything. I was polite and we got the right donuts. Your temperament is not an excuse for bad behavior. Willy-nilly donuts is not a reason for me to go nuts on this friend of mine. We can have a conversation about it. I think it's very easy for us sometimes in our conversations with our loved ones, well, you know I, and then fill in the blank, as if as if your temperament, the way that you perceive reality, is their fault, and they did something intentionally to, to, to upset you. They should have known better. Our temperament, the way that God designed us, is not an excuse for our bad behavior. It's not a temptation. It is the way that God has designed us, and it is to be a tool for giving grace to those that know us. And so our temperament is not a temptation. Our temperament is not an excuse for bad behavior. God did not tempt us by designing us a certain way. That is not how God works according to this passage. Continuing in the passage, but each person, now we're going to get to the heart and soul of what tempts us, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. If you, now, I know that these particular words are not on the screen, but if you have your Bibles open, if you have your app open, take a look at the progression that James is writing. Take a look at the words that he is using. What is the mental imagery that he is tapping into here? Specifically, we have a lot of this going on in the church, by the way. Not so much deception and sin, and, 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 but we have, a lot of, we have a lot of conceiving going on in the church. We have a lot of desire and conception going on at River Church. Like we need you in the nursery at, at River Church. He's tapping into this natural process where we, we have babies, we have children that decide that, that that child began with a desire and then it, it went through a process that we're all familiar with. And if you're not, talk to your mom and your dad and they will tell you. But this is what James is talking about here. 
Each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, you have to get a loan and pay for college. I mean, it gives birth to death. This is tapping into a process, it's a mental process that when you have a child. And so if we're going to talk about, well, how do we circumvent a lifestyle of sin based off of we're kind of wired a certain way, certain things are going to be more tempting to us than others based off of our personality. Uh, we talked about last week for people who are of a yellow or sanguine temperament who define themselves by people and energy and fun, they're probably not going to be the most disciplined with their time. And so that's something that's going to have to be a watch for them. Whereas people who are of the blue or melancholic temperament who, who seek perfection and order, they're probably very disciplined with their time. They're going to be tempted in different ways. So how do we take care of our sin issue? When is the right time to take care of it? And the answer is when it's at the desire level. After desire has conceived, then it begins this inevitable process. The process works another way, too, where if our desires are holy or pure in accordance with our temperament, that the Lord can use those desires very powerfully, too. For instance, we've seen new ministries started out of a desire to reach people who are not hearing about Jesus or who aren't being reached. The single most unreached demographic, and this is on my heart, in eastern Connecticut are families with disabilities. If you want to talk about an unreached people group, a desire on my heart, okay, this is an example of a good desire now, right? And it's already lining up with my temperament as a guy who likes to get stuff done because we're going to fix this. We're going to take this over. We're going to be known as the church. Why do you think the Lord blessed us with the most ADA-compliant building in the town? Right? That desire was there from the first day that we planted. It's never been an issue for us as River Church to have families with disabilities join us regardless of the disability. That's always going to be the case. River Church. The most unreached people group are families with disabilities. They have a hard time going to party. Never mind coming with a kid and getting their child checked in. And so we are going to build River Church accordingly. That we were going to have spaces and ministries and programs and training and personnel designed to help families engage with the gospel and not let their child's disability prevent them from hearing about God's love for them as a family. We're going to do that. So that's a, an example of a godly desire that has given birth to a place where we currently need that will be fully conceived when we build and we're able to be even more intentional with hosting families who have disabilities. So if we're going to get rid of sin in our life, if we're going to use our temperaments as a means of giving grace to those who hear us and not foul language, we have to redirect our desires. Our desires need to be redirected towards godly perspectives. And the cool thing is, is about the way that God has given us different temperaments is that we have attributes and inclinations that are just as strong for desires for good as our desires for evil, but we need to make a choice. Let me get more specific as the text continues. Uh, let's pick up the text in James chapter 1, verse 19. So our temperaments are not excuses for bad behavior, but rather we're to redirect our desires in accordance with our temperaments to accomplish God's purposes. James chapter 1, verse 19. My dearly beloved brothers, so the question is, how do we do that? How does that actually happen? It's a two-part answer. first part is found here in the text. My dearly loved brothers, 
Understand this, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. We're very familiar with that verse. And the second big idea this morning, the first big idea being that our temperament is not an excuse for bad behavior, that we have to redirect our desires in accordance with our temperament. The second big idea is that we do that by slowing everything down. Let me give you an example. Uh, let me show you how this works out through the filter of our temperaments in accordance with the study that we're doing. If we have someone who is of a yellow or sanguine temperament, and we have someone who is empowered or naturally speaks the language of people and fun and energy, you're going to see these kinds of things more or less represented in their life. For instance, on the left-hand side of the screen, you'll see that a person with a yellow or sanguine, a sunny disposition, that's why it's yellow. That's the, that's the clever part of this study. It's easy to remember. Someone with a sunny disposition is typically animated, optimistic, inspirational, easy to talk to, uh, curious. But then you see on the right side of the screen, there are some other things that are just hardwired into this person with a sunny disposition as well. They may tend to make decisions based off of their feelings and their emotions. They're not over-analytical, or they don't apply a lot of logic sometimes to important decisions. Sometimes they can be naive. Uh, we can see that opposite of optimistic. You can see how that would work. Optimism and naivete are kind of two sides of the same coin. It really kind of depends on the person's maturity and decision level there, whether or not they're being optimistic or if they're simply being naive. Uh, people with a sunny disposition, with a sanguine temperament, yellow temperament, can tend to be vain. They're an extrovert who likes to be with people. They like to be the spark plug, the life of the party. Uh, so vanity is something they have to watch out for. They will interrupt the conversation because their story is better than yours. Or they're faster with their words than you are. And so they will interrupt people in the middle of the conversation. Not that they have to, but this is part of their hard wiring. Uh, and, and, and they're restless. You know, they're a high-energy person. They don't want to sit around a whole lot. They want to always be on the move doing something. And so you can see that a person with a sunny disposition has some wonderful strengths that we all value. We can also see that a person with a sunny disposition has some things that they have to watch out for. So how do we help someone with a sunny disposition who uh, is animated, optimistic, inspirational, easy to talk to, and curious, to tend towards that side of their temperament rather than being emotionally driven, naive, vain, interrupts, and restless? And the, and the answer is, the first part of the answer is, just slow it down. Just slow it down. Because sometimes, like Mike Frey's reaction with the, the higgledy piggledy donuts, is an inappropriate, like my pulse increased, my ears turned red, adrenaline dropped into my stomach. Isn't that the craziest thing you've ever heard? I, I have control issues. But my desire is for families with disabilities. Watch out, right? Okay, that's cool. Donuts is weird. Josh has to manage this. How does he do it? Slows everything down a little bit. Slows it down. This is how a sunny disposition would slow things down. You can see the two sides of their coin. Let's take a look at the uh, the red or the control. This person is uh, choleric, according to Hippocrates, uh, which is my personality type, my temperament type. Um, 
So this person is control and power. That's the native language of this temperament style. And so, you know, on the left-hand side, decisive, disciplined, logical, resilient, and committed. Woo! Like all things we would want in any Boy Scout leader, right? Yay! On the right-hand side, things that those of us with a choleric or a red temperament need to watch out for. And this is no surprise to you if you're this temperament or your loved ones. Bossy. You have a plan, mine is better. So do my plan. Inflexible. You can do it that way, but you'd be wrong. Uh, Know-it-all. Oh my goodness, like I'm just embarrassed. It's like, ha ha, like this is so real. Yes, I'm a know-it-all. Or I know someone who knows it all. Arrogant. Yes, arrogant. And unsympathetic. What do you care? Yes, you know, get over it. We can talk about your feelings tomorrow. Let's get the thing done. Uh, This is is bad. These are things that come to those of us with a choleric or red or the power and control side of things temperament very naturally. So what do we need to do? Slow them down. How do people with this temperament express their anger? Someone with a sunny disposition, a yellow disposition, will, and we'll talk about more about this in weeks to come, will express their anger by charm and flattery. We'll try and schmooze you. I'm just going to try and take you over. I'm, I'm going to raise my voice. I'm going to use my hands. I'm going to hit stuff. I, it, 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 it's, it's classic anger and violence and, and noise. It's, it's bad. And so this verse is very applicable to people with the red temperament because James is actually writing about anger that... Our, our anger does not accomplish God's uh, perspective. But what does accomplish God's perspective? Decisive decision-making, discipline, logical thinking, resiliency, and high-level commitment. And that can happen when we slow it, 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 slow it down. Slow it down. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Someone with a green temperament, or a calm temperament, or a patient temperament, or the phlegmatic According to Hippocrates, uh, generous, forgiving, sensible, responsible, cooperative—like who doesn't want that? Uh, amazing. They're, these are shepherd leaders. Uh, the choleric temperament, the kind of the out front, on point leaders. Um, we get stuff done. The phlegmatic uh, or the green leaders. Like I mentioned last week, most pastors are the shepherding, nurturing, caring kind of leader. Patient, quiet, cares about your thoughts and ideas wonderful temperament can tend to be if they just kind of act impulsively they can they can come across as lazy uh, you can see how that could be the case especially for people who are more task oriented someone with a green temperament a calm they want peace they want harmony um, you can see how someone who is more task oriented might get uh, frustrated with that they're sometimes lazy sometimes they can come across as uninvolved happy to let other people they're, they're, uh, the, the green temperament are people-oriented, and they're introverts. And so they love being with people, they care about people, they really do, and they're perfectly happy to let the more extrovert be out in front. Which means, if they're not careful, they can come across as uninvolved, unenthusiastic, timid, or indecisive. And so these are the things that folks with the phlegmatic, the peaceful, calm, harmony, shepherd's heart style of temperament need to watch out for. They need to... When they're tending towards the right-hand side of the screen, they need to slow down and think, is it the time for me to step up? Is it the time for me to raise my voice? Is it the time for me to be more involved? Is it the time for me to get something done or to accomplish an objective when they're feeling lazy, uninvolved, or uh, unenthusiastic, timid, 
And then finally, for the melancholic or the blue, uh, it seeks order and perfection, temperament. They are orderly. They are honest. They are detailed. They are independent workers, and they solve problems. Again, you know, you, you can imagine if you're making a team of people, you want all of these temperaments as part of the team. All of these temperaments are so important and can be used of God so powerfully, and He has designed them for that purpose. But they all come. If you flip the other side of the coin, with someone with the blue or the order or perfection temperament, uh, they can be too sensitive. They can be critical. <laughs> they can humble brag uh, because a person with a blue temperament is an introvert who is task oriented. And so they get a lot of stuff done, they work very well, uh, but they are given to, when, when they're arrogant or prideful, it comes through with this passive-aggressive humble brag thing. Uh, whereas I'll just come out and say, I split wood better than you, because I'm right. I'll go prove it right now. Like, that's, 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 the, that's the red or the power and control temperament, whereas someone with the blue temperament is going to come about very more like a humble brag. Well, I got a lot of wood split the other day. I would split more wood than you do. You know, it's more of the humble brag. Uh, the wood splits itself when I come onto the property. The humble brag, uh, sensitive, critical, humble, humble brag. Uh, there's a difference between working well alone and and solitude and actually being alone. Uh, that, that's when you see the two sides of the coin there. And fearful, over analytical, just thinking too much about something. Like, oh, make a decision already. Like, there's only so many spreadsheets you can consult. There's only so many Google pages you can refer to before you just need to make a decision. And so again, for this temperament, they need to slow it down when they're feeling fearful, when they're feeling sensitive, uh, when, they're, when they're expressing themselves inappropriately through humble bragging or being super critical. Um, they need to slow things down and move more towards the orderly, honest, detailed, independent, problem-solving side of their temperament, which God gave them. How does this actually happen? So this is what needs to happen. We've identified, we're identifying the scale between God's design and our personality. 100%, 100%. God may be a certain way, but it, uh, sometimes I choose to inexpress, express it in inappropriate ways. A lot of that has to do with anger and emotion. And so the key to this is to slow everything down. But what, what can we actually do? The text goes on to say in James chapter 1, verse 22, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. This, this tool, this way of thinking about our temperaments is very helpful, but at the end of the day, we want to do what the scripture says. We want to do what the Bible says. And what the Bible is saying here is that God has designed us a certain way. We have a temperament. It's not a temptation. It's a tool. It's not an excuse for bad behavior. Now we've identified the sides of this temperament that we need to recognize and, and be aware of. We find that very helpful, and we understand that we need to slow everything down. That kind of helps us make an intentional choice. And then what do we actually do? Let me show you some examples that I think are ways of practically implementing this scriptural uh, command, which is to do the Word and not just hear it only. It's one thing to understand about your temperament, and that's fun. And I encourage you to get into a small group and, and go through the little assessment and have those conversations and practical applications so that we may do something differently like this. The yellow temperament, the sunny disposition. I have a tendency to be a compulsive talker, right? That's, that's on the negative side of my temperament. That's on the hasty side of my temperament. 
but I will choose, I will do something differently, I will choose to be curious. Why? Because curiosity and interest in people comes naturally according to the temperament of a sunny disposition, of the sanguine temperament, of the yellow temperament type. Curiosity is one of their strengths. They love hearing about people. And so when I am tempted to interrupt you when you are talking, I will choose a strength of mine to ask you questions. You see how this works? This is how we can actually do what the Bible says. Be doers of the word and not hearers only so that we don't deceive ourselves. We're not fooling anybody else. <laughs> when we choose to use our temperaments as a temptation, we're the only one that's being duped. Person with a sunny disposition. I have a tendency to be a compulsive talker. And you can work through the list of attributes of this disposition and see how they counter with each other. That when I'm tending to be one, I can choose to be the other because it is a strength. It will come naturally to me. And it will feel like a word of grace to the person that you are talking to. When we start asking good questions as a high-energy people person who likes to spend time with people. For those of us with the choleric or red power and control temperament, I have a tendency to be unsympathetic. But I will choose to be committed. People with the, uh, the red or the dominant or the choleric or the control and power temperament, we're very committed. Loyalty means a lot to us. How was I able to slow things down when I was talking to my friends who was putting donuts willy-nilly into the box and I'm having a biochemical reaction to it that could easily have caused me to begin yelling about donuts. Because I've known her for years. When her mother died, she doesn't go to church. She reached out to me to pray with her for comfort. And so because I'm loyal, because I'm committed, because that comes very naturally to me, I was able to look at her and realize she's not trying to ruin my life right now. She actually thought I could have spilled the donuts. She knows that now. I mean, she knows better now. But I did it kindly because I was able to turn off the high control part of me and activate this is a person to whom I am committed. This is a person for whom I care. This is a person to whom I am loyal and they are loyal to me. We have an actual friendship and relationship. That is a strength. I have a tendency to be unsympathetic, but I will choose to be committed. For those of us with a phlegmatic, passive, green, peace, calm temperament, I have a tendency to be indecisive. What do you want to do? I don't know. Whatever you want to do. I will choose to be cooperative. Because people with this temperament, cooperation is a strength to them. They love to partner with people. They are people-oriented. They're an introvert, so they don't need to be out front. But they love being with people. They love accomplishing things with people. They love doing things with people. What's important to the team? And so for those of us with the phlegmatic or the green, the peaceful, uh, sensible temperament, I have a tendency to be indecisive. This comes naturally to people with this temperament. But I will choose to dig into one of my strengths, which is to cooperate and to collaborate. It comes naturally to them. And what will happen is when a person makes that decision is it will sound like a word of grace to the people that they are listening to. Oh, you want to work with me? Yes, I do. For those of us with the blue uh, order and uh, perfection temperament, I have a tendency to be fearful because I've calculated all the risks and they are large. And who knows? I can't control everything. And so who knows what's going to actually happen? I have a tendency to be fearful. 
fearful, but I will choose to problem solve. That's a strength for someone with this temperament. I will choose to solve the problem. I will stop being the problem because I'm overanalyzing everything and being hypercritical and fearful, and I will choose to fix it. I will choose to solve it because I have the capacity and the interest to work through the details to help move the conversation forward. James 1.22, do not just listen to the word. Don't just understand that God has created us as individuals that fall generally into these temperament categories, but do something about it, understanding that we have the power to give words of grace when we act accordingly to our temperament and dig into our strength. What is God's desire? The key to God's desire is also found in this text. It is found in John chapter, or James 1, verse 18 and verse 21. James chapter 1, verse 18, in the middle of this passage, says that by his own choice, God's own choice, he gave us a new birth by the message of truth so that we would be the first fruits of his creatures. When it comes to our temperaments and how God has designed us, the most important thing we can recognize is that God has designed us certain ways and he has chosen us. He has, and, and the proof that he has chosen us is that he has given us his message. And using the same kind of language that James is using, talking about the conception from desire to birth of a child, he says that God implanted his word into his people. So not only has he chosen us for himself in our different temperaments and our different styles, but we can prove it because his word has been poured powerfully into our lives. And in, in verse 21, the idea is sort of repeated. James chapter 21, what is our job? James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. God has created us as individuals 100% to glorify him through his sovereign choice of how he made us. There's never going to be anyone else like you. And 100% we are responsible for our own behaviors and actions. And we've taken a look at his word this morning to see how we can uh, choose our desires and put them in a direction according to our strengths. So that it sounds like grace coming to our listeners. Understanding that we have the power to do so through the word that has been implanted in us in salvation. And that that has been God's plan all along. As we move into a time of communion, I'd like to ask Vincent and the team to come on back up and help me conclude our time together this morning. And here's the thought going into communion. Two things. One, I, I just want to uh, pop the bubble of any anxiety. If this is your first time here or you haven't been here before when we do communion, please understand that we practice open communion. That if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're willing and you're willing to participate with us, you are welcome to be a part of our communion celebration here this morning. Uh, just by how communion actually happens is it will be distributed here in a few moments. Two cups will be stacked. The bottom cup will have a piece of bread. The top cup will have the juice. So take two cups. Uh, the second thing that, that I want to help with anxiety is maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're wondering if communion is for you. The question this morning is, what is your desire? Do you wish to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you want to be a part of a church where we receive this kind of guidance from God's Word that meets you perfectly where you are in your temperament and your personality, knowing that it's also a combination of God's design? 
maybe you never thought about salvation in that context before, understanding that God can meet you right that there's a plan that you're designed with amazing attributes that can be a blessing to everyone that you know, but you spend too much time on the right hand side of the chart, acting quickly and not giving grace to your hearers. And you want that to stop. If that is your desire this morning, then would you accept Jesus Christ by faith? It sounds something like this. Heavenly Father, I have been living too long on the right hand side of the chart. I've been driven by fear, doubt, anxiety, impulsivity, unkind, unsympathetic, lazy. And I thought that I was just hardwired that way. But now, Father, I understand that there's a flip side to the coin, that there's a holy purpose for the way that I have been wired, that I can be loyal, that I can be committed, that I can be a problem solver, that I can be the life of the party in a way that feels like a blessing to those that are with me. And Father, that involves moving from moral filth to a place of holy living. So I repent of everything that I know in my life that displeases you, that is sinful, because it displeases me as well. And I accept your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. Would you save me? Would you help teach me through the power of your word? Implant your word in my life so, so that my temperament and my desire to serve you come together perfectly and we do something holy together. If that is your desire this morning, then I would encourage you to take communion with us. If you do not desire to take communion this morning, please know that the elements will pass you by. No one's going to think of faith. Don't worry about that at all. So whether you'd like to participate in communion or you'd like to let the elements pass you by, do so in the confidence that you're welcome to understanding you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you're celebrating his death, burial, and resurrection as you do. So I'm going to pray for our time of communion, and I'm going to ask the guys to come forward and get ready to distribute the elements. Uh, when the tray comes by with the communion cups in it, you just hold the cup until everyone has received the elements. I'll pray, and we will receive communion together. Would you join me in that prayer? Holy Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your intentionality. Thank you for the clarity and the memorable way that you teach us. Father, I pray that we would humble ourselves to your word. That we would take control of our emotions and our inclinations. That we would understand and explore and enjoy the way that you have designed each of us to serve you well. That we would see your church grow. That we would see decisions of faith. That we would see the expansion of forgiveness of sin and the restoration of families children being raised in stable homes. Father, we know that all of these things are byproducts of turning from sin and turning towards you and allowing your word to do its work in our life. Father, as we take communion, we pray that it would please you as you look down over eastern Connecticut this morning that we are remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of your son, Jesus, and that you would bless us for our 